episode of HBP Hipster Baseball Podcast. I am DeCarlo Calloway alongside Dorian, and on today's podcast, we celebrate champagne season, slay the wanna be Miss Cleo prediction makers, provide some postseason prediction, discuss Russian actresses making movies in space, and we clutch our pearls in Atlanta. Oh, you know, drop the clutch the curls while we drop our tea. So, I want to start off this episode like we do every single episode, just, you know, highlighting what it is that we're drinking while we're recording. And so today I am just sipping on some Spanish orange tea. It's really nice. After a nice subtle day, I just wanted some nice fruit tea and this is really hitting the spot. What about you, Dorian? What is it that you are drinking and what story do you have behind it today? Hello, happy 54th episode. I'm excited to be here and I, I feel that you ha- you've had Spanish orange tea before, I hasn't it? Okay, you're, but I haven't in such I haven't in a while because I ran out and uh, like a couple months ago, but just got re, you know replenished. So and it, and it's perfect because it's the perfect kind of tea. Like right as we get into fall, like you know, like when you know you get the citrusy, almost like start to get into the uh, mulled wine season. I'm looking forward to that. So it's it's a nice little subtle touch right now. The Carlos helping our good friends over in Spain, their national economy, by buying oranges from Valencia. Yes. Cheers to that. And cheers, like you said, to champagne season. In my hand, I have a Kirkland Prosecco from Asolo Veneto Italia. It's in the north. I think it's uh, Asoto is by, Asolo is by uh, north of Venice, actually. But as you know, DiCarlo, but sometimes it gets confused. Prosecco is sparkling wine from Italy. Cava is sparkling wine from Spain. And champagne is sparkling wine from France. And everywhere else is just called sparkling wine. But yeah. And the Germans call it Zecht. I had no idea. Yeah. That I didn't know. So instead, now it's baseball season. It's the playoffs. Very exciting time. This is when everyone starts pouring beer. And basically it's beer and, and, and bubbly all over each other when they clinch a playoff spot, when they clinch a division, when they win a playoff series. But instead of pouring this all over myself or the Carlo, I'm going to put it in my tummy and drink it because it's way too delicious to just dump it and waste it. So I wanted to tell everyone though, where in the world, I was thinking, where in the world did this tradition start of dumping champagne on each other for a great victory? And according to the record books, a.k.a. the internet, in the 1930s, there was a champagne merchant by the name of Count, not Dracula, Count Frederick Chandon uh, from the Chandon Champagnery, or whatever you call it, house, champagne house. He started offering bottles of the bubbly to the winners of the French Formula One Grand Prix. But that was just Mm -hmm. like, hey, congratulations, you won. But the person who actually started the tradition of spraying it all over everyone after they winning was some, a man by the name of Dan Gurney, who did it at the victory podium of the famous car race called Le Mans, Le Mans back in 1967. And so he did this famous thing of shaking the bottle and then putting his thumb over the, 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 the neck and then just spraying it everywhere. DiCarlo, have you ever done or been a part of something so amazing that you decided we're going to take some really good alcohol and just shower in it no i have not because i don't have enough money like that to feel (laughs) um you know the 
what's the word like it wouldn't matter just like ah you know what i mean like i'm like this is too good champagne why are we gonna waste it on each other like on our you know on the exterior when it could be lubricating our, our bellies right now so no no i haven't done that that's a good point my friend because that's exactly the mindset of the early baseball pioneers who did this back in 1955 the brooklyn dodgers clinched the national league pennant and they celebrated well one um Don, excuse me, Duke Snyder poured a one beer, one beer. It's very, it's so, it's, it, it's so antiquated now. He poured one beer over Duke Snyder and Duke Snyder got mad because he said, quote, I spent a lot of money on my clothes and I don't want them ruined, <laughs> end quote. But, and the funny thing is that later that they play, the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1955 ended up beating the New York Yankees in the World Series and to celebrate it, they did it with, Schaefer beer, one of these beers that they're no longer around. Yeah, but they were the team sponsor, which I found hilarious. I'm like, obviously we can't drink Schaefer beer because if we did, we'd probably die. But uh, anyways, the, uh, the 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 when champagne was brought into baseball was with the Milwaukee Braves, now the Atlanta Braves, when they won the World Series in 1957. I think they beat the New York Yankees then as well. I mean, this is basically the Yankees were in the pl- in the playoffs in the World Series like every year in the 1950s. But yeah, they were. Yeah, so it was the Milwaukee Braves that started pouring champagne over everybody, and it finally became a tradition with the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1960, and it's just uh, one of these things that you just watch grown men with now with goggles, because of course alcohol spray your eye, they hurt it, but it's it's a, it's one of those fun things, I, I love Prosecco, I love Cava, I like champagne, but for me, DiCarlo, I like, I like it uh, super dry. I like it super dry. And what I do is I put the bottle of Prosecco, Cava, Champagne, whatever I'm drinking, put it in the fridge. And then an hour before I open it, I put it in the freezer. Hmm. I don't like it slushy, but I like it super cold. I love it. I could drink this like water, my friend. Well, I hope you don't drink it like water. Otherwise, you will have to get your stomach pumped. <laughs> okay, no. I genuinely could finish a whole bottle by myself without any problems. And uh, I love it. And we want to celebrate the Carlo. We want to celebrate our listeners. We always show what we're drinking every week. Share with us what's making you happy and reasons to celebrate in the month of October. Our social media accounts are ready for you, my friends. What is this like the, uh, I feel like this is one of those, the uh, telethons. <laughs> mm. Operators Literally are standing like by. Swagger and like, <laughs> please, please, you know, make sure operators are standing by. Reach out to us and send us your photos right now, people. I was thinking of Jerry Lewis with oh, his yeah, with would, muscular, uh, muscular dystrophy. Yeah, right, exactly. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, our Twitter account at HBP forty forty. Send us a picture of whatever you're drinking, whatever you're enjoying, whether it's tea, whether it's prosecco, whatever it is. Use the hashtag HBP forty. Uh, I'm Use the hashtag HBP drink, and on Instagram. We also have a, a brand new account, simply named Hipster Baseball Podcast. Also, tag us. Use the hashtag HBP Drink. And Carlo, I'm going to drink a cel- another celebratory swig for vanquishing, for my Atlanta Braves vanquishing the Bakoda predictions, which we went over back like in episode 24. I don't know. It was way the beginning of the season when they came out with these crazy predictions. Mm-hmm, I remember. They pre- and you were teasing me about it too. I remember that. They the Pakota said that the Braves were going to win 82 games 
and they were going to finish in fourth place in the National League East. Six months later, the Atlanta Braves won 88 games, not a great season, but better than predicted. And the Braves won the National League East division title. Cheers to that. DeCarlo predicted back in episode 26 that the New York Mets were going to win the National League East division. Sir, what do you have to say for yourself? I was wrong. But you know what? It's not to – well, whatever. I was wrong. It happens. But, you know, it's – you think about it when it's it's not – surprising when the organization had so many hiccups this season especially because you had a new 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 regime coming in old regime leaving and then everything that was under the hood started exploding and uh when you have that you have injuries to key personnel you you know it's just not clicking yet because everything is still trying to tape shape you know it's it's not surprising that that was the outcome so and you know it's the nl east the nl east is it's, it's always kind of all over the place. I mean, the Braves haven't dominated since like the '90s on a consistent level, you know. But at the same time, yeah, it could be anybody's game in NLE. So we'll see what happens next season. But the Braves took it this season with 88, 88 wins. Wow. Yeah, it's basically the Atlanta Braves are like DJ Khalid yelling out. We the best. No, not, not the Atlanta Braves, the National League East. I'm joking. The National League East was supposed to be the monster division, and it really wasn't. It really wasn't. But I'm grateful that um, that the Braves won. I also think it's hilarious that the Atlanta Braves outfielder, Guillermo Heredia, he celebrated the division title, the, the clinching game back on against Phil, the Philadelphia Phillies back on the, what is it, the 30th of September, DeCarlo, he took out on the field, the post game, swords, <laughs> pink, plastic, plastic people, calm down, pink, plastic swords, and he was just waving them around and pretending he was going to attack people. <laughs> and this was, before he was even, this was before he even had a drink. It's just the excitement, man. I love it. It's, I love, like, the creativity. He seems, he would seem like a fun guy to celebrate, so... Congratulations to the Braves on their fourth consecutive National League East title. Uh, DiCarlo, it was, it's funny. It went around in Braves' Twitter sphere that the Braves now have won the most divisions in Major League Baseball history since divisions came into play back in 1981. The Braves have won 21 division titles. Wow. And in second place, the L.A. Dodgers and the New York Yankees are tied with 19 division titles. Mm. Yeah, well, shout out to the Braves, man. And you know what? Also, Pakoda, they, they I don't, I'm, I can't make fun of them for this because they, everyone predicted that the San Francisco Giants were going to be garbage. I think they predicted that they were going to win 77, 78 games. How many games did they end up winning, DeGarlo? Like 150? 108. 108 wins. That blows my mind. They didn't, Pakoda said that the Chicago White Sox were going to finish in third place. The Chicago White Sox won 90, 90 91 games. And they won at the American League Central Division. So, anyway, so speaking of predictions, it's now time. It's we have to make a a long distance long distance call to Carlo to our favorite Brooklyn Jim, Jamaican lady, Miss Cleo Time, aka Weekly Predictions Playoff Edition. I feel like we should have some kind of music there. Mm. Yeah, maybe next time. I think we should time to have something that we could kind of split. And even if, yeah, that would be it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah, so what do you think? Uh, we, we we have to hold ourselves accountable here, DeCarlo. What, um, you know, my, 
my initial predictions at the beginning of the season, back in episode 26, I said not to go through everything, but in the American League Championship Series, it was going to be the Chicago White Sox and the New York Yankees. The White Sox are, play, are in the playoffs right now against the Houston Astros. Then the Yankees lost in the American League Wild Card Series, so that's out. And over the National League, I said the LA Dodgers were going to be playing the Atlanta Braves. So that's both can still happen because the Dodgers are going to play the the uh, San Francisco Giants and the Braves are going to play the Milwaukee Brewers. What are your what are your thoughts on this playoffs? Um, I don't know. It might be it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think when you think about the LA versus San Fran, every you know media, ESPN. The New York Times, they were bigging it up as uh, being like the really big uh, series to be playing against because you had the Dodgers who clickbait, huh? Clickbait. Yeah, you had the Dodgers who won 107 games against San Francisco Giants who won 108 games, and their interstate rivals. So it'll be interesting. And then also you have the Dodgers being the reigning World Series champions, and so. It'll be a good series. It'll be interesting to see. I, I think it might be the most dynamic. I mean, it, you know, I who's to say it'll be man, I said it'd be interesting to see a lot. So it will be interesting to see, but I think it will be a good matchup. Um, all in all. I don't know how many games it might go. It might go to six, might even go to seven. Who knows? We'll see. Well, a few things. H the HBP bullpen just told me that actually, actually, sir, the San Francisco Giants won 107 games. And the Anthony Dodgers won 106 games. And oh, okay. we're, in the, we're in the divisional round, so it's all it's a best of five. So oh, I would yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, you're right, if that goes to five. But we're baseball fans. You read it, you read articles online, you watch it on your phone, your computer, your television, and you listen to podcasts about baseball. Everyone has their baseball prediction to Carlo. What if I throw you and the listeners a curveball instead of saying Team so-and-so is going to advance to the World Series because they have the best weighted runs above average or their pitchers have the best fielding independent pitching or the best wo- – this, this individual player has the best WOBA. What if we just break these teams down and say these two teams are going to meet in the World Series because their cities have the best cuisine? Miss Cleo time, playoff food prediction. <laughs> what do you think about the Tampa Bay Rays playing the Boston Red Sox? We'll get to the baseball part in a second, but comparing Tampa Bay cuisine against Boston. Oh, Boston's going to win that. Have you been to any of these cities? I've been to Tampa a million times. I've been to Boston. I haven't been to Tampa. I've been to Atlanta. We covered it. I've been to L.A. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go. I've never been to Boston, so but we're still covering both. I'm going to go with Tampa based on food Hmm. because it's, it's underrated. People don't know that much about Tampa, but they have... A little bit of everything. Boston, I don't know. I just heard it's like really small. People are really not angry, but just unpleasant. They do have great lobster. And people, I'm a flexa pescatarian, which means I prefer fish. But if there's not, I'm flexible. No, Boston has good cuisine. I mean, there's good Italian restaurants because you have a good, you know, historical Italian district there. Their seafood is really good as well. And yeah, the town is small. Um, and I would agree that, you know, some of the individuals there, but it's a beautiful town though. It's really nice. I, I still have to go, but I, I will not be going there ever in the winter time. Kind of like Chicago. Oh yeah. God, God help. Chicago is the oh. most, be- one of the most beautiful cities in, in America. Dot, dot, dot. 
in the summer. Mm-hmm. But we're in the fall, and the Chicago White Sox are playing the Houston Astros. Uh-huh. I've been to Chicago. I've never been to Houston. I only hear bad things about Houston. The traffic, the sprawlingness. I've never really heard anything about the food, though. So that's in itself speaks volumes. Well, and also it's Texas, so you you, you presume Tex-Mex and uh, barbecue. Oh, you're right, sir. I'm sure they have great Mexican food if you like that. I'm actually not that big Mexican food person. Uh, I have- I, it depends on what you eat. You know, like I think if you get some really, really good Mexican food, then and it also is what you're like if you're craving it. And and it all and additionally it depends on where you go. Like so Texas. It's good Mexican food in Texas. In California, like anywhere like the Southwest where there was a you know, that used to be Mexico, they have really good Mexican food. I, I believe that. But from the the Mexican food that I know, I have to be in the mood for tacos. I can't just be, oh, let's go get. I don't know. Nothing against Mexican Mexican cuisine because again, I'm eating it here in the United States, which is like like Dr. Carlos said, like Tex Mex. It's like saying Chinese food in America is different than Chinese food in China. Or even in Chinatown. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So or, or like China. even when you think about like all right, just sidebar, but when you go anybody who's been from New like is from New York or any place that has a lot of Chinese food takeout places. So you, it's what you order, and then when you see the family or the owners of the restaurant eating to the side or in the back, that's different. You know, it's the same type of thing where you would, uh, in terms of Mexican food and Tex-Mex and how you would differentiate it, and, you know, flavor and type of recipe, you know, all that goes into it. That's a really good point, because from what I understand, a legit Chinese restaurant has an English version menu. And then the Chinese come in and they have a version in Mandarin, which does not have, which whose dishes don't appear in the English one. So you're absolutely right, my friend. Yeah. <clears throat> but wait, but so going back to Boston, Boston and Tampa, food wise, I say Tampa, you say Boston, because these are the only cities you've gone to. Mm. But baseball, I'm going to go when we talk about, uh, we're going to talk about FIP and WOBA and uh, weighted runs above average, sir. No, we're not. You can go to other places like that, and those are phenomenal podcasts. I like the Tampa Bay Rays because, speaking of Pocota, a few minutes ago, I myself said that the Tampa Bay Rays were going to regress. They weren't going to make it to the World Series because that offense was horrible, and it was. And they were lucky to survive six games against the Dodgers in the World Series last year. This year, they have transformed themselves. The Rays have the number two offense in the league, right behind the Houston Astros. They are a monster offense, and I've just been really surprised uh, about that in a, in a good way because the Rays are my second team. Based off of that awesome Rays offense and their really good pitching staff and the Boston Red Sox designated hitter, J.D. Martinez, he's questionable for the series because he twisted an ankle in the final series against the Washington Nationals. That's a, that's a huge power outage to Carlo. That's the reason I'm saying – Tampa in four games, four out of five games. I say Tampa in four. Okay. That's, eh, I would I would probably go the same too. Maybe five. Yeah, it's baseball. So who knows? And it's they say it's a short series, like, but there is no regular season game, no regular season series that usually goes five games. But anyways, the Chicago and Houston quiz battle of the cuisine. What is this, the Food Network? 
maybe we need a podcast on the Food Network, my friend. Do we agree that Chicago is a better food town than Houston or, or not? Probably. I've never because been, I've never been to either. So you've never been, wait, 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 you've never been to Chicago? No, I haven't. I was planning oh on it, but God. I didn't go. Yeah. But I'll probably go this year, actually. There's a lot of other we're gonna start. We're gonna start a fundraising with the ghost of Jerry Lewis <laughs> to get a young man from Manhattan to Chicago. I'm joking. So we'll go Chicago, Chicago, because of the variety and the depth of their tremendous food, whether it's Polish, Ukrainian, Italian, there's huge Mexican population in Chicago, too, so I'm sure you can get legit Mexican food there as well. Uh, Barbecue, um, et cetera, et cetera. Chicago deep dish pizza. Chicago. And when you think of Houston. Yeah. Big X, big X on on the deep dish pizza. That's disgusting. That's oh, no. a, that shouldn't be a pizza. It's like no, it's three inches thick. Yeah, it's great. No, that's not real pizza. And for and and I'm disappointed to you as a as a true native New Yorker that you actually like their monstrosity of a dish. It's Why not? It's delicious. And yeah. I mean, it's you know what it is. Also, I was it was I was actually watching an interview with. Uh, Jesus Romero and Chance the Rapper, and they asked him New York style versus Chicago style, and he said Chicago, and mainly the, the the main reason is is that in terms of good variety, there's not so much. Whereas in New York, there's everybody, there's a pizza shop all over the place, and so somebody is always going to recommend the spot, and then you could go there, and it's like not the same exact thing. I've had Chicago deep dish, and I've always enjoyed it. Plus, I like doughy pizza, so that works for me. But I can understand if you, it's not. You, to your liking that's fine i mean the best pizza i've ever had was in italy my god it was so great and they cut it with like a scissors but that's another story but still i like chicago deep dish as well yeah i there is a locally owned pizza place probably half a mile from my house i love it but they do a doughy style so you, sh- you would love it but i when i call them up and this is how local it is you just you literally just ring them up and say i want so and so but i always tell them I want the crust well done. I like it crispy. I always have to tell them that because if not, they make my pizza pie doughy, which is good. I prefer crispy. So what are we talking about here? Food or uh, the Chicago White Sox? Deep dish. So yeah, so we agreed food-wise, Chicago beats Houston in these in, in our food playoffs. Yes. In, in baseball playoffs, I think... Regular listeners know I love the Chicago White Sox. I love them. They're so young. Tony LaRusso. And their manager, you know, Tony LaRusso. I don't hate him. I just dislike some of the things he's done. Hate is a very strong word. Well, you you can't stand him. How about we put that? But as much, and I said the Chicago White Sox were going to go to the World Series. I'm just going to stick by them. I'm going to say the Chicago White Sox in five games. But this, I am not, I'm going to be open with you, DeCarlo. I am not that confident about this because they're playing the Houston Astros, the cheating Astros. This year, they probably haven't been cheating and they have been kicking butt. The Astros are, have so much playoff experience. And I'm really worried about the Chicago White Sox defense because there were times where they looked real bad in the in the field, whether it was the infielders or the outfielders. And they have an amazing center fielder, the Chicago White Sox do, 
the Cuban Luis Robert, arguably the best center fielder in all of Major League Baseball. But I'm really concerned about that Chicago White Sox defense. And we'll see. And also the 2020 American League MVP, the Chicago White Sox first baseman, Jose Abreu, he has the flu. He's playing, but he's COVID negative. He's been tested. But this isn't Michael Jordan playing the flu game when it's, when it's one game, this is a series. This is probably a week long. Like he's going to get better, but But it's going to, it's going to, but also playing under those type of conditions as you, as you have the flu, like you said, in the series, it's going to be even harder. You know, his recovery time might, him playing might actually slow up his recovery time. And honestly, it really depends. I would say if they're going to do this, they should just see how he plays within the first game. If he's ineffective, then put him out for at least a game because it really wouldn't make sense to have him continuously play if you're going to get a diminished return on him. So, I, you know, I, I, I would always go against that because even still the flu is contagious. So, you know, it's not the smartest of things to sit back and have, even though he is their best player, to have him out there in that condition in the playoff game. If, if that's him making that decision, and even still, I'm going to say it's probably Tony Larissa, so still a bad decision, in my opinion. We'll see what happens with Jose Abreu with the Chicago White Sox defense and their relief pitchers because they have three bad-ass pitchers, relief pitchers, uh, Craig Krimble, um, Michael Kopech, Liam Hendricks, but the middle relievers are very shaky. And the Astros, I said the Rays have the number two offense in the league. The Astros have the number one offense. So go White Sox. I think Chicago takes it in five games. Now we get to the clickbait series. Yeah. The LA Dodgers and San Francisco Giants. I've only been to Los Angeles. I have yet to go to San Francisco. What about Same. you? Same. I've been to Los Angeles multiple times, but haven't Same. been to San Francisco. And Chinese food. We should just name this episode Chinese food, Chinese takeout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great Chinese takeout in San Francisco. Not takeout. What am I saying? Chinese food in San Francisco. Yeah. LA, I'm sure. LA has know. very good Japanese food. They have great ramen. They have great Korean, Korea, Korea, yeah, in Korea town. Little yeah. Tokyo and Korea town. Like I went to Little Tokyo. I went to this ramen spot when I was there in 2019. Oh my god, it was so delicious. And then also, uh, LA has a lot of food. Then you have Pink's hot dogs. Oh my god, I always love them. It's glut. It's it's gluttony. Uh, so delicious. They have a variety of food though. And then you have. Uh, and, you know, you have your usual takeout spots, but then you have the charbroil burger places all over the spot. You got good Mexican food. You have nice, like, artisan donut places, too. Like, if you go up to Silver Lake and um, around there in Echo Park, like, it's it's a lot of good food in L.A. You're such a hipster going to Silver Lake and Echo Park. Well, specifically Silver Lake. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? When I travel places, like, I love food. So for me, it's like, Whenever I go on vacation, I like to go to places and try the local cuisine. So, My thing when I travel is art and ice cream and also food as well. But those are things you can do every day. You can experience art, whether you don't have to go to a museum. You can just be outdoors. It can be music and ice cream. You can eat ice cream any time of the day because it's then it's not going to fill you up. So and it's also always local locally owned ice cream stuff you don't you're not going to the big oh, chain ones look at this hipster oh it's all local i'm not owned, a hipster sourced 
locally owned ice cream parlors in the I city wanna, that I visit. I want to see that the goats are eating the local grass and then producing the local milk to produce the local ice cream. I'm joking. No, I, I, this is a joke. It's like, <laughs> but what are we talking about here? So food, you have LA, yeah, you got, yeah, you got Korean food, Japanese food, Mexican food. Um, I'm losing my train of thought here. Oh, yeah, all no, kinds of food all, in Los Angeles. All kinds of food in Los Angeles, yeah. And in San Francisco, you get... Chinese food, Mexican food, Italian food. Mexican food in San Francisco? I'm, I'm going yeah, to get surprised. Yeah, my, yeah, well, remember, California used to be uh, once a part of Mexico. You, used to be New Spain or whatever. Yeah, and then also you have... You'll have to also consider you know, all of the granola and vegan cuisines too that are popping up in a lot of these places. Oh, in San LA. Francisco, San Francisco was really where veganism, like it was one of like the starting points. It's like, well, at least with Silicon Valley and all of them. Well, yeah, because there were a lot of vegan, right? Well, all up and down California. You know how everything new age and progressive comes out of California first. You know, Silicon Valley, there was a show on HBO called Silicon Valley. And... They had one of my one of my favorite episodes. I think it was like in season three or something, two or three, where the guys. It's basically a story about this fictional company, a tech company called Pied Piper. Pied Piper, and they they they're creating a new internet basically, but they get inv- they get they start getting hot, and so they get invited to some Vanity Fair party out on the West Coast. And one of he's not a founder, but he's like one of the he has an incubator that Pied Piper is working out of, and they. And at the Vanity Fair party, he he says that his dietary restriction is pesca pescatary. <laughs> he only eats fish that eat other fish. <laughs> it's such a California joke. Anyway, anyways, I I forgot about the whole granola part. How could I how could I forget about the granola granola life in LA? You know one of my ironically favorite restaurants in LA is um is uh is gratitude mm. have you ever eaten there no I haven't. they have like a they have like two or three of them in la it's basically um what is it it's uh what i love about it is the menus yeah they have like they have like, yeah they have like three or four places out by the way cafe gratitude is not a sponsor they're not paying us for this i just think that it's hilarious i've eaten there and the carlo the menu is like they have a menu like any other they say we have this dish it, it contains this they have this dish but every one of the menus is like love. It's space. It's the universe. It's consciousness. So, so DiCarlo, the way that you order is you say, I am. So you say, I am gratitude. I am consciousness. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I, I am angry. I came here. I'm leaving. Game over. LA sweep San Francisco three games nothing. <laughs> food wise, food wise. <laughs> so that's my that is my food prediction. LA the LA against San Francisco food. I say three nothing. Just I, I just remembered that going to Cafe Gratitude. It's insane. But in baseball, what do you think? What, what do you think is gonna happen in baseball? These these teams ended one game apart, and they went they won a ridiculous amount of games normally if you win 170 games you walk you walk you clinch the title three weeks 
before the end of the season. And these and the, and the Giants had to wait until the last game of the season to 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 clinch it back on the what is it the I think it was the thirtieth of September the the twenty sixth of, of September. I'm sorry. You can flip a coin on this one. You know, you know, honestly, who knows? Like, I, I, I don't really even like, come on, I'll say what? L.A. and four. Yeah, I, I, I think the L, I think L.A. is going to win. Uh, even though the San Francisco Giants won the season, regular season series, I think they won 10 games to nine or something, but this is the playoffs. It's focused over the next at least three games. And, it, but this reminds me a little bit of the 1993 season with the Atlanta Braves. And it's not, I'm not bringing this up because I'm a Braves fan, but it's just, it's, it's very close because in 1983, the Los the Atlanta Braves were in the National League West. I mean, this is almost 30 years ago now. It's a very different. So, and they beat Barry, the Barry Bonds led and Ted Williams led San Francisco Giants. The Giants won in 1983. 103 games the Braves were down like 10 or 11 games in July and they track and they chased them down and they won they won the National League West Division winning 104 games back then there was no wild card today those Giants teams would have been in the wild card but in a 1983 National League Championship Series against the Philadelphia Phillies the Braves lost in I think it was in six games and their Hall of Fame pitcher, Tom Glavin, afterwards when he retired, he said, we lost that series because we were exhausted mentally and physically from chasing down the San Francisco Giants. I think that the Dodgers may, if they win this, they win this in the five games or they lose in the next round because they've been chasing the San Francisco Giants the entire season. So they may just use up all of that pent-up motivation in this one series and then they're spent in the next one that's that's what i think yeah i mean that's probable it's probable Hopefully i also they, don't trust yeah, i mean if that maybe they could work through that if yeah as opposed to continuously thinking about chasing them you're just you know going at them now and just do it but who knows we'll see what happens yeah we'll see but food wise Wait, are we in agreement there or no? Yeah, you're LA. Taking LA. LA over San Francisco? LA. Yeah. Three-game sweep right there. Just done. Yeah. <laughs> no, in food, we, we can't. You know, San Francisco is going to put up a fight. We'll do 3-1. Three, uh, Los Angeles in four games against San Francisco. But in baseball terms, I think Los Angeles in five, just like DiCarlo said. And the last division playoff game is obviously the Atlanta Braves against the Milwaukee Brewers. Food-wise, like, Atlanta. Huh? Food-wise, Atlanta, hands out. For one, I'm, I only time I was in Milwaukee was on a layover. And, okay, maybe poteen and cheese curd. But, come on, Atlanta just has so much good food. It's yeah. down south. Oh, oh, delicious. I have never been to Milwaukee. I've heard, I, you know, I hear Milwaukee is like an underrated, under-the-radar Midwest city, and there are some beautiful cities in the Midwest. I mean, not be- beautiful as in like food and like I, my personal top three or four Midwest cities Chicago, Minneapolis, Indianapolis. Those are my top three. But I've heard great things about Milwaukee, and people don't talk enough about it. I don't, but again, I've never eaten there. I don't know. So 
yeah, Atlanta, obviously. I mean, uh, yeah, all that amazing Southern cooking. That's a sweep. Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta in three well, over Peach Milwaukee. alone. <laughs> Done. I, I was actually, that's a good point you brought up. I was even, I wasn't even thinking about Peach Cobbler. I was thinking of that roadside barbecue next to the gas station oh. in like country, in like country Georgia, like just outside of Atlanta and just amazing i mean it's just like just you just smell it uh, driving on the highway what is it i-75 or whatever the heck it is out there i don't remember. down there i don't remember so yeah but baseball wise i like this series because it has a lot of history and i love history is we had said this back in episode 52 well i said this back that the atlanta braves are celebrating their 150th year anniversary of being alive and the Braves were in the in Milwaukee for about nine or ten seasons, and they and they left Milwaukee in 1965 after the 1965 season. And the Milwaukee Brewers are actually an expansion team that started in Milwaukee in 1969. And Henry Aaron, the legendary Hall of Famer who passed away what in January or something like that. Yeah, January. He played his entire career with the Milwaukee Braves and. Right, and then the Milwaukee, and then he moved with them, obviously, to Atlanta in 1966. But at the end of 1975, they weren't going to give him another contract, and so he, he said, "I want to go. Be, I want to be traded to Milwaukee." The, they weren't expansion then, but they weren't that good, and so he he finished out his two his last two years in Major League Baseball in front of the city that knew him when he was at the height of his powers. And I love that; it's a great story. So. I love that Atlanta and Milwaukee, the Braves and the Brewers, are tied historically, not just because they both played in the same city, but because they both had one of the greatest players of all time play for them. And this one, just like the White Sox, I want the Braves to win in five games, but that Milwaukee Brewers starting pitching is ferocious. They have a better starting pitching staff than the LA Dodgers and and the Tampa Bay Rays. Definitely better than the Rays. The Rays have a I I hope that the Braves win in five games. That's all I'm going to say. I Fingers crossed. Yeah, I'll go with that. At least one of us could find some glory in this playoff. So Braves are five. <laughs> and, you know, the playoffs are coming. I love that. Last year it was crazy because it was uh, – they had, like, playoff games all day long. But this year we're back to a more traditional, you know, two or three games uh, – uh, two or three games a day – as much as we love baseball, it doesn't allow us to do one of our other. It doesn't allow us to do another one of our favorite pastimes, which is reading. And this is where our show sponsor comes in. The people that pay for the Spanish, the fancy Spanish oranges that Carlo buys, or the Kirkland Prosecco that I buy, which isn't that fancy, my friend. This is the humble Prosecco from America's favorite store. They're not a sponsor, though. Anyways, going back to our sponsor, Bookstop, founded in 1982, deep in the heart of Texas, or what was the, what's the Texas National National Anthem, Carlo? We did this like a month ago or something. (laughs) Oh, the the, March on Christmas Soldier? No, no. This is the, the, the stars are bright. No, the stars are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. So anyway, so Bookstop, your stop 
to buy books. DeCarlo, what book are you currently reading? I am reading this book called How Chiefs Come to Power. What? How Chiefs Come to Power? Yeah, it's a pre uh, looking at examining three uh, chiefdoms. Um, Prehistory, political, economic stuff. Yeah, I, I like reading random things. Okay. Cool. And, and, and a couple other books too. I, I like I am reading Diplomacy by Henry Kissinger, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, a book that we uh, mm. profiled by here. Daniel, uh, Kaleman. Daniel something. Daniel yeah. Kaleman. Oh, uh, yeah. And I finished a few other books not so long. But yeah, I, I like, I'm an avid reader, and uh, Bookstop definitely uh, has provided me with some, some uh, freebies. This is why I'm reading so much. Exactly. I'm reading on my nightstand is The Human Factor by Graham Greene, which is a 1979 novel. No, it was 1979. It came out um, in 1978. I'm sorry. Graham Greene, The Human Factor about a British. He wasn't a spy. He worked in the he worked in the security services. But anyways, and um, it's very interesting. And I and I picked it up at Bookstop. Ladies and gentlemen, Thanksgiving believe it or not, is six weeks away. Thanksgiving means the start of the travel season. So I implore you, stop by Bookstop and pick up the book that you're going to be reading when you're in the back of a car, in a train, in an airplane, or waiting to get in the car, in a train, a bus, or an airplane to go off for all the holidays. Stop by and if you don't read, you can still stop by Bookstop and give the gift of adventure, adventure books, to all of your loved ones during the holiday season. Aww. That being said, sometimes a book would be great to read, not just when you're going to grandma's house for Thanksgiving, when you're going to outer space. space. Is it really good to have a book when you're going to outer space? I mean, yeah, you're like you're all of the forces. Not only that, once you have an opportunity to look out the window, once you've, uh, you know, broken the Carmen line, I think that you'd be more. And, and not only that, the fear of going into outer space alone would kind of hijack your ability to say, hey, let me read a book. But either way, we could ask some people because if you haven't heard now we have a Russian actress, a director, and a Russian cosmonaut guide up there going to shoot a movie in space. Like, wow. Where? I mean, this wouldn't be the first movie. I mean, come on, the, the moon landing, you know, people believe. Nah, they believe that was a Hollywood set, but anyway. All but right, yeah, but fine. that is an interesting thing. That is an interesting thing. I mean, they had footage, but not, say, like, a, like an actual motion picture. So you have this Russian actress, Yulia... Persla, Director Klim Shepenko, and uh, the cosmonaut is Anton Shapalerov. Forgive me, my Russian is not good. Shepenko, so Anton Shapalerov. Yeah, they, they flew off on Tuesday um, towards the International Space Station to shoot the scenes for the first feature-length movie in space. And it's funny because... They really got the jump on Tom Cruise, who was initially who's initially slated to actually go into outer space uh, with uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX. 
company and one of the dragon uh, capsules to shoot a movie, but they beat them to it. So the Russians not only, you know, were the first humans in space, it was the first satellite. They also are going to make the first movie, which is funny considering that the U.S. is known for Hollywood. But that is pretty cool that we're hitting this new threshold of, you know, movies actually being filmed in space. So kind of dope. But it'll be interesting to see how many movies, like, if they actually start building out space stations like that, that can actually accommodate that to, to a degree. Not only is the Russian cosmonaut, my friend, they're not astronauts, they're cosmonauts. I thought I said cosmonaut. Did you? Okay, yeah. Whatever. It, the, the Italian Prosecco has been hitting me, so I may not have been hearing everything. I, I usually diligently listen to everything you say, my friend. But the Russian cosmonaut, Anton Skraplerov, Skraplerov, is proud. Vladimir Putin, the dictator of Russia, is also very proud. You know who's the most proudest? Is that even a word? Do you know who? Who? Borat. Borat, the the most famous fan from Kazakhstan, because that Russian rocket didn't leave from Russia. It left from Kazakhstan. Normally, this is where I would play you the Kazakhstan national anthem, according to Borat. Something about like the number one exporters of potassium and bunch of nonsense it's hilarious mm -hmm. if i knew it to carlo you know if i knew the lyrics i would be singing that son of a gun right now yeah it's, I, I at one point i did know the lyrics but i don't remember <laughs> so the people the, the that rocket actually left kazakhstan um i was a geography minor in college and i do not know the capital of kazakhstan shame on me but, i don't either and i usually no, that's funny i don't know either. I have no idea. So Borat, uh, the uh, the movie that was that's been he's had a couple of movies out, but anyway. So I'm sure this is a very proud moment for the Kazakhstanians. Um, oh, by the way, the Nurse, HBP, Nurse Sultan. They have a, thank you. Yeah, HBP bullpen just passed us a note. The capital of Kazakhstan is Nur Sultan. Nur Sultan. Sultan. I don't know what the translation of Sultan is. But anyways, it doesn't matter. I think it's, what do you, from what I've read to Carlo, this movie that the Russians want to shoot in space, it's not really a, it's like a documentary. I think it's like a scene. No, I think that they're shooting scenes up there. I don't know if they're shooting the entire movie. No, no, there. but yeah, it's scenes. It's not they're doing a whole movie, but yeah, it's scenes for a movie. But even still, that's like, you know, it's the same thing. You know, every time they do like little thresholds within space, they, you know, they make it seem bigger than it really is. Like, when right. Blue Origin, you know, went up, it was like, oh, and it was like, oh, they just are going to the Carmen line point, which is specifically the international recognition of it being space, and then came right back down. It wasn't like they were docking at the space station. Like in this, they actually are going up to the International Space Station, but I, yeah, it is for a couple right. of my, my last point about this, besides, besides Borat being happy, is I don't... This is just Vladimir Putin wanting to get one uh, publicity, uh, publicity, a uh, public relations win over Tom Cruise or he, yeah. the United States. Because look, up in the International Space Station right now, there are scientists working up there. And then you have these clowns coming like, oh, we want to shoot a movie up here. Like, guys, there's some there's you can just do the 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 technology and just say you do it on Earth. 
and you make it seem as it's in space because right now there are scientists from NASA, from the European Space Agency, from the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, and Russia's own Roscosmos. Like you have four different entities up there working in that crowded international space station, doing people doing serious works, serious work. And then you have these clowns coming in saying, oh, we want to shoot some lady or some guy floating around in space. Here's my Cisco and Ebert review of that film that has not even yet come out. Two thumbs down. They're interfering with proper space uh, science work, my friend. Well, it's also supposed to be publicizing that, you know, because, you know, they're trying to put forth more travel into space and build out this. I mean, I think it's slowly, it's the slow process of trying to bring people to come to the realization that space travel will be something that we will be doing at some point or another in our near future. That I believe absolutely will be. People listening, somebody who's listening to this, maybe even one of your favorite co-hosts will be traveling, but you're absolutely right. It is going to be commercialized. Just like saying, oh, we're going on a cruise to Italy or a cruise to Brazil, like whatever, it's just going to happen. Yeah, and then eventually we'll probably have space stations being built outside that would be like resorts for people. So Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting. People just showing off. That's all it is. Yeah. But isn't that really all we do anyway is really just show off when we do stuff? I mean, it's the experience we enjoy and then we show it off. We enjoy that. And we enjoy when people look good doing what they do. And as we transition away from the danger will robinson adventures in space or travels into space 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 transitioning over to styling and profiling with rick flair Woo! you know who's looking really good to carlo the atlanta braves right fielder jock peterson not not because of how he looks but what he's <laughs> what he's wearing the San Diego, San Diego Padres have their swag chain. We've mentioned that a bunch of times on this series where someone hits a home run, they get this, this blinged out chain around them that they wear in the dugout for the rest of the half inning. We talked about the Toronto Blue Jays, I think, bad body jacket that they give this oversized J.C. Penny suit <laughs> on someone who hits a home run. And they get to wear that hot, disgusting, smelly juice in the dugout but jock peterson is wearing pearl necklaces no no he's wearing a pearl necklace and so we're clutching our pearls at a man wearing a wearing a pearl necklace you know everyone knows i'm a big braves fan i mean i've been bringing them up every single segment here but it's i thought it was both hilarious and weird i actually saw him for the first time, I don't know why I didn't recognize this earlier, but he just started wearing this. And he I saw him in the last week against the Philadelphia Phillies, the series where they clinched the National League East Division. He was wearing, I was like, that is not a pearl necklace. I know that he's not wearing a pearl, a pearl necklace. You so know, like, shout you- out to him. That is pretty dope that he could sit back. And, I mean, the novelty of it is pretty funny too. Like a man walking, running bases with 
of pearl necklace, but then also the effect White of pearl necklace. But then the effects of say like somebody doing something like hitting a grand slam, just think of him at the point like <gasps> clutching his pearls and something like that. So I don't know. Maybe he's waiting for a moment he could do that. I, I love it. So obviously this again in Braves in the Braves uh, baseball world, this has become a pretty funny thing of like everyone's trying to find out why in the world is Jock Peterson wearing white pearl necklaces? Wait, do pearls come in different colors? I'm not I'm not that familiar with pearls. Well, no, pearls tend to generally be the color of mother of pearl so, but i mean maybe okay. there's black pearls and you know okay. but customarily speaking you're gonna just see white pearls so uh, as you can imagine in these post-game reports they would ask him jock why are you wearing pearl necklaces because all the guys that wear jewelry they're usually wearing diamonds and gold and we talked about this a few months ago about all these guys going up there and it's so noisy when these guys have the players have their microphones so you can actually you know have an inside peek into what a baseball player experiences it's so noisy because they have all this bling on them <laughs> but this guy DiCarlo, looks like he robbed your grandma and stole her pearl necklaces and then later that night went to go play baseball <laughs> while wearing them yeah he does so finally uh, he he didn't break down, but he they kept asking during the, the the celebrations with the the, the bubbly last Thursday when they asked him it was like Jock, why do you wear pearl? <laughs> why have you started wearing pearl necklace? And he says, "quote It's a mystery for everyone. They'll never know." And quit. And quote. But another reporter asked him again. People again. He's just been hounded. Why are you wearing pearl necklaces? A pearl necklace. He, he said, quote, because I'm a bad B, end quote. <laughs> I love his sense of humor. And apparently he was, uh, the Chicago Cubs traded him to the Atlanta Braves at the end of July. And everyone in the Braves world had been saying that he's really made the clubhouse a lot looser, a lot funner. Um, and he was, he played with Los Angeles Dodgers for about six, seven years. And he has a championship ring from last year. And my last point of this guy having levity in the clubhouse was when he was a minor league player back in 2014 in the Los Angeles Dodgers system, he was with the AAA affiliate, the Albuquerque isotopes in baseball. They always have these giveaways, especially if you ever guys ever go to minor league games, they give like these wacky events. One night in 2014, when he was still a minor league player, he gave away to Carlo. This is 2014. He gave away his 1994 Buick Century car that had a hundred. <laughs> this car that had 166,000 miles on it. This was a legit giveaway. And the, the fun, even funnier than that was that he lived in New Mexico. People, it is the desert in New Mexico and the car didn't even have air conditioning. <laughs> Ooh, that must have been brutal. So this guy, obviously, even as a young man, the 2014 is what, 30 years from, no, 20 years, right? Uh, yeah, he was giving away a 20-year-old car. <laughs> I love Jock Peterson. I love his pearl, his pearl necklace. It's weird. But go with it, dude. I hope that there's plenty of clutching of the pearls throughout the playoffs. So 
the spirit of Rick Flair. Rick Flair is not dead. Anyways, you have the 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 energy of Rick Flair with your amazing pearl necklace. Forget all the guys that usually have all these fancy diamonds and, and gold. Pearls are very fancy, by the way. But yeah, Jock Peterson, that's amazing. Ooh. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I saw images of him. I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah. That does bring levity, just thinking about it, running around, like hitting, you know, playing baseball with pearls on. It might be also just annoying when you think about it, too. But And with Jock Peterson and his pearls running away, we want to first give a shout out to our new listeners. And you're going to have to help me with this one, Dory. Kilagon Bank. I haven't even heard someone. Kilagon. Kilagon, Bangladesh, Little Ferry, New Jersey, and Los Angeles, California. Thank you, guys. Hope you guys subscribe and listen to us consistently. And for all of those who normally listen to us, that's a wrap on this show. And, of course, we want to thank you for listening. Where we talk about to this amazing podcast where we talk about baseball drinks, astronaut ice cream, the freeze-fried kind, dipping Dots kind, actually, really, really good, and everything else under the sun. Please subscribe. Give us a review. Rate us. It helps with the analytics. You can find us on Spotify. SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at HBP4040 and Instagram, where our tag is a Hipster Baseball Podcast. Of course, our drinks will be in the show notes, and you'll probably get an image of them. Well, not mine. My tea's already drinking, but you get the box of it on our Instagram page, too. Make sure you join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP Hipster Baseball Podcast. Peace.